Hey everybody, this is Alex, and this is a new episode of the Porter Notes podcast. Currently, no sponsors, but we are hoping to change that, so get on over to our Patreon page and find out how you can help. All right, let's get started. everybody, this is Alex, and I want to thank you for checking out the Porter Notes podcast. It's kind of a special episode here because we're going to start with a new series. I've never done a series before, so this is kind of a new thing for us, but we're pretty excited to be able to do this. And the topic for the series, and currently it's a four-episode series, although that might grow. I've got some open invitations out there, which I've not received any response to, but... I'm okay with it being four people or five people, if that's really what's going to happen. The topic is faith in modern times. And we were talking, Lori and I were talking, and we discussed the possibility of doing this series because how do you keep your head up? How do you keep your spirits up? And and how do you keep a positive outlook when there's so much swirling negativity and, and anger and hard feelings and resentment and fear? It's It's pretty rough. I know that it can be rough at many times, and I'm not one of those guys who talks about good old days. That's that's not me. I think that for many reasons, we're in the best possible position that we can be in. However, though the economy might be better than ever, and our life expectancy might be longer than ever, and technology is probably better than ever, and women are in better positions than they have been, and minorities in America are doing somewhat better than they were, sometimes I think that kind of comes and goes, right? We we definitely could benefit from some sort of positive outlook, some sort of reprieve from all of the bad stuff going on out there. So how do you do that? How do you find it? Today's episode, I talk with Clark Peterson, and he's the pastor for New Life Assembly of God Church here in Reedsburg, Wisconsin. We talk about a number of different things. I have a series of questions, which is a little bit different than than normal podcasts. I don't normally have scripted questions, but because I wanted to make sure that I touch upon the same subjects with everybody, I had some questions written up, and Lori and I worked on those together. So it's going to be a little bit different. I mean, it's still somewhat conversant, as most of my podcast interviews are. But this one will be just slightly scripted in so much as I want to make sure that specified questions are answered. So that's one thing. If you're new to the podcast, welcome, enjoy. Please listen back to some of the previous podcasts. There's some really great interviews with artists and musicians and everyday people. I just uh, I just absolutely love doing this and talking with people. I hope that you can share this podcast with others. So listen to it. Come to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash porternotes, and you'll find out all kinds of things about us and when we're going to have episodes posting and how you can be a sponsor and help us out. It's not required. You can just listen to the podcast, but if you do help out, that would definitely be appreciated by Lori and I. So before I delve into the interview with Clark Peterson, I just wanted to do a little bit of housekeeping and remind you that you can listen to the podcast at any time. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, 
iHeartRadio. We're on there now. Uh, Spotify. Just about any place that you get podcasts. It's hosted by Podbean. So you can go to the Podbean website or you can download the Podbean app and listen to it anytime. You can also go to our main page, which is porternotes.com. You can listen to the podcast via that way. You don't have to download anything. If you're on a personal computer, you can go there and listen to it. If you're on a smartphone or some sort of mobile device, you can listen to it that way too. It truly is an amazing time to get information out there. And again, maybe just as I would mentioned before, you couldn't do this in the good old days. So these are the good old days, as Carly Simon had once said. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get to this interview with Clark Peterson. And again, the topic... For discussion for this series starting today and going on at least four more episodes beyond faith in modern times and after this interview there's a little bit of a wrap-up between Lori and i so enjoy that here we go with my interview with clark peterson yeah we went to kenosha on um sunday we 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 were actually there Saturday, and we spent the night. Um, it's it's Lori's schedule is such that she works one weekend, well, every third weekend per month, or you know, three yeah, three weekends. I don't know how you consider that a rotation. <laughs> and then, um, well, there is some pattern. Yeah, there, it, it is. <laughs> it, it's on here. I mean, it makes sense after you see it for a while. I have a friend who's really big into mathematics, and he said that everything has a pattern. You just haven't stepped back far enough right, to see it yet. Right. Right. We're living in some, it's all perspective, some people would say we're living in some bleak times right now. Some would say that we're living in some confused times. It's definitely challenging, especially, um, and your father, you understand this if you right. have kids. Yep. Uh, I have a viewpoint on, on children, especially with uh, my nieces and nephews now becoming first time or new parents. It's Children don't have any idea of what it takes for you to be a parent right everything that they get comes from you they're cold you warm them up right. they're hungry you feed them and so what do you do with this right right <laughs> and 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 information is everywhere right and i i i, I say quite often that these things occurred on this very day there was a, a tragedy in milwaukee right these things occurred we just didn't know about them all the time, and kids kids know about them. There's very unless you impose a filter, there's very little anymore. Yes. So, I just wanted to get, and and we've been friends for a while. Yep. So I wanted to get your perspective on on how you keep faith a part of your life, how you keep faith in these times, especially when there seems to be a lot of. Um, faithlessness yes around yes this i don't know if you've listened to the podcast but this this will vary just a little bit because i usually this is usually it it's just conversational spontaneous but because i'm going to do a series of interviews i've actually put together some questions sure now um i'd like to try and keep it so that we're five minutes or under on the answers if we can and that might be hard for us well, you, you, you just you just direct it. That's fine. <laughs> um, but I, 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 the reason that I did the questions is I want to be able to have some point of reference between everybody that I've that I'm going to sit down and talk to. Right. 
so that it's not maybe going too far and away. And if, if we delve into something that, that you want a parking lot or don't want to answer, I mean, feel free. Sure. Listen. Sure. There's no gun to your head here. Okay. All right. And for those who listen, and it's not a live podcast, it's a recorded podcast, but for those who listen, it's in the basement of my house and you get greeted by a dog at the door. It's a it's, sweet deal. It's a sweet deal. <laughs> it was my son, Xander, who is now, he just turned 17 last week. He and I built this. This was just empty basement down here. Okay. Let's just have just a little bit from you um, about who you are and, um, and and what you do, Clark. Well, I'm a I'm a dad. I'm, I'm, um, I pastor. I've, I've moved to uh, Reesburg, and uh, my wife and I moved here in in uh, 1990 December, and we've been here since. We re- re- relocated from Twin Cities, which we enjoyed, and uh, we made this our home and been pastoring the same church since that time. So that's a a spot of a time. So um, I wanted to raise my kids in one place. And that's not always a convenient thing or even a, it, it's really a privilege uh, to be able to do that in a pastorate type situation because oftentimes there's mobility and um, God has helped us to do that. So, How old were um, your oldest is, is 20, Josh, right? Yeah, yeah, he's 25. 25. Goodness. So um, he he wasn't around yet. When you came here in oh, 1990, yeah. no, was he? no, we uh, we he was born in '94. So you had an idea when you came here that that you were going to plant some roots for sure. I did. Uh, Sue, however, uh, was not a rooted person. So uh, so there there was, uh, to be honest, some um, you know some heavy, uh, deep and and uh, uh, intense discussions about coming, staying, going, leaving, staying, but. Um, in the end, mm-hmm. um, you know, Sue passed away a couple years ago in uh, 17, uh, October 19, 2017, and uh, went to be with the Lord. Um, but in the end, in the fight um, to, to live, uh, she was grateful to be able to stay and to meet great and wonderful friends. I mean, this community was amazing and still is amazing to us. And and you were part of all that. So well, thank you. Laura, yeah. um, did you move around as a kid? No. You didn't? No. So were you from the Twin Cities then originally? I'm from Shelby, Iowa, huge okay. metropolis of 800, over by Council Bluffs, Iowa, hmm. s- southwest Iowa. A lot of times people who want to establish roots for their children come from a family where they've been uprooted at least once or something of that nature. That's why I wondered. It is, it is a good thing to be able to have your kids go from preschool to graduation in the yeah. same place and you yeah. kind of have that routine and that that comfort level yes, yes so good on you for doing that yeah it's it wasn't always you know there were some challenges to all that but sure um, it's it, there there is in every phase of life so and so you were you appointed here in reedsburg or did you come here did you choose reedsburg how did that work uh, well, out for you um i was called uh, i graduated from bible college in um june um or in May, Sue and I were married in June. We lived in Twin Cities, and the district superintendent of Assemblies of God contacted me, which I did not know him, and that's pretty rare. He contacted me in Twin Cities, and will you consider coming to Reedsburg, Wisconsin? And so um, I said, well, sure, I can. Yeah, so we came, and 
and the rest is history. So that was only about three diff- three years off from when we moved here in '87. The population at the time, I think, was what four thousand, six thousand. Yep. When I was Pretty small. Uh, when I was, uh, I think it was forty seven hundred when we moved here, mm-hmm. and uh, it's grown nicely. Oh sure, yeah, nicely. Yeah, it definitely has. Yep. Uh, at what age did you discover that you had faith in a higher power? Well, um, I was raised um, in a in a mainline. I was raised in a Lutheran church, which was a, was a wonderful upbringing that taught um, wonderful things in my family. Um, so it was very much a part of my life. But um, as far of knowing God personally, that was um, not a part of my life until I was uh, 22 years old. Did you have designs to do something else? I was a landscape designer. I have a bachelor of science degree in horticulture. Hmm. So I was um, just graduated from college, and I lived in Omaha, Nebraska, and um, was a landscape designer and uh, worked there at a very, very um, now um, probably the biggest landscape company in the Midwest, Lanahan Nursery. So that's where I was for four years and then went to felt God's hand on my life and went to North Central Bible College in Minneapolis and got another bachelor's degree. How'd your family react to that change? Um, it was odd for them. Hmm. One, one of my um, siblings thought I was concerned that um, uh, words were became a Jesus freak. So, <laughs> and I asked what that was, and she explained, you know, listen to the Bible and read the Bible and kind of run your life by that. And I said, well, then I, I guess I kind of am. So, you were out of college then. So, in essence, an adult. Yes. And so you probably felt you didn't need your family's approval for it, I'm sure. Um, right. Um, although it was important to me. Mm-hmm. It was very important to me. I, um, Yeah, I was I was kind of living independently at the time and was uh, into things in my life that uh, were destructive. And um, so, um, and some people got upset that I wasn't being destructive anymore, you know, with my life and and some people were upset about that. The path was opened up for you at that at that time in your life. Yep, a person lived their faith in front of me, and I wanted what they lived. No one paid them to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't professional. It was a real everyday thing for them. How is your faith projected? I mean, how do you feel others perceive your faith? You mentioned that at that early age in your your life. You got some static from some family members, or at least one in particular. And yeah, I I, th- I think um, uh, I think I think I was, uh, lack of a better term, um, fairly legalistic in my upbringing. I wasn't taught that when I, as I, it's not what the church I attended taught, but I became very rules oriented. Mm-hmm. You know, stop doing this and start doing this, and and I did not um, live out my walk with God as loving as I could have. And, um, but, um, some, you know, so, um, I tried to, I try to live it out. I try Mm -hmm. to make it real. I try to, um, my relationship with God is mine and, um, he'll go as deep as I want to go. Um, he's all in, uh, and the question is, am I? And so I had in my mind that I wasn't going to be deceived and so um, not that I wasn't I'm just wanted to make sure that what I was reading in the Bible was a real stuff and so I studied and it's become a habit of my life I spend 
daily time in the in the word and i on on a couple three times a week i really dive into the really dive into it and study the greek and theology and read stuff and so do you have an understanding of how that's perceived by others do you feel that that others understand your sincerity i think uh, i think it um i think people respect it and i think they uh, like it um again i I think it's how I treat them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's how I treat them. If I treat them with respect and honor, uh, which uh, we should treat everybody with respect and honor, then then I think it's perceived well. If I they feel like I'm trying to change them, or then I don't think it's perceived very well. So self-proclaimed legalistic, then do you hold people to that standard too? In in terms of of their their faith and their their devotion i um i would say i used to mm-hmm. i don't uh, i try not to i should say i sure i really try um judgment um the word judgment is the same greek word as discernment it's the same same greek word um and it's so how it's how i perceive it's it's how what god wants to do mm-hmm. and when i get judgmental i'm i believe that i'm really stepping into where only God should be, and uh, it's my my place, according to Scripture, is to love God and love people. Have you ever had a moment from, and, and this can be before you've you've decided to take the the path that you did in your early twenties, but have you ever had a moment where you felt your faith was in question? Sure, I mean, yes and no. Yeah, I, I um, yes and. <clears throat> I don't think I, I, everyone has doubts, I believe. Um, did I ever doubt uh, that God uh, loved me truly? Not really, but have I doubted in the midst of my circumstances? Have I had questions? Yeah, I have ha- I've had questions of that. Have I ever been, have a propensity or a desire to walk away from the God I know? No, I've not, that I can tell, that I know of. I'm trying to be as honest and reflective as I can. I, sure. I don't ever remember saying, I'm done with this. Um, I had to learn to trust God in ways I never had to before, in crises and circumstances and um, things like uh, joyous things like betrayal of, of friends or mm-hmm. or um, or my my wife getting you know um, diagnosed with cancer and um, you know uh, how to raise my kids through all that. So, but um, for me, I. Uh, in the midst of all that, I, I never walked away. What did you do? I pushed in deeper. I, I went to, s- I wanted to know him in a deeper way because I knew, I knew, <laughs> I knew that he loved me and I knew that he has the best for me. And I know that he has the best for others around me. I just didn't always know how to negotiate that. So I chose to, well, it doesn't mean I had, I didn't work through things emotionally. I've had to you, you know, you have to work through things while you're seeking him. You have to walk through your humanity. You have to walk through your anger, hurt, and pain, or disappointment, or um, or the waiting, or the big questions of why is this happening. You have to walk through that and negotiate that through Scripture and how Jesus, um, and try to find out what Jesus did in his word. So, Lori and I have a, a phrase that we use, and it's active prayer. So pray for help 
but continue to push forward yeah while doing good. so that's good that's good yeah so when have you seen faith work in a positive way in either your life or the life of others can you give an example a, kind of a, a specific example of where you've seen that happen um i've seen it several times um specifically um i i i guess with um with with my kids um and and i think specifically i guess i'm going to just use my relationship with my wife you know um it was a dynamic relationship and uh we were very different um i was i'm introverted she's she was extroverted but we we had a great relationship we also had some some tough times but in the last six years of her life i saw god um really miraculously sustain her life beyond beyond what was expected uh, she was supposed to live six months she lived six years mm -hmm. that um i also um seen my kids be sustained through that and i also saw a community of faith in this city um people rise to those occasions and and uh, and provide financially and with love and support and that has continued to be amazing to me how do you balance um your introverted nature with being someone who uh, people people reach out to um good question um inverted meaning i uh i'm i i do life best and most comfortable doing life best without the need of of a lot of people um however i do need people and mm -hmm. so i try to balance it by understanding that i need time away and i need time by myself i need time with um a close-knit group of friends versus a community, um, an extroverted, which I have two extroverted kids and I have two introverted kids, so uh, <laughs> I have two. And uh, they, get, they get strength, my extroverted kids and Sue, um, got strength from being with people. They mm -hmm. just, and, and introverted people, um, it, that can be a draw on them. And then Sue, it would be a draw on Sue's uh, emotion for being alone, to not be in a party, not mm -hmm. being mm -hmm. around people. Mm -hmm. So I just try to, um, I try to understand that I need I need time by myself, and and I need time to uh, rejuvenate, and uh, you know, uh, recuperate, and get filled up again, and go out and do it. And and at, at the same time, I just love being ministering to people, love helping people. So, have um, have you ever been faced with somebody that you just couldn't reach? Yes, uh, many, and. Those are challenging times because um, it's out of love that you want to to help and to touch and and you want to help them succeed. Mm -hmm. um, not that I'm perceiving what success is, but um, maybe they've come to me or wanted help or someone pointed me their way, and um, and they they were maybe caught in an addiction caught in a in an emotion that they couldn't um overcome couldn't understand didn't have the tools to move forward and uh that is uh, that's grieving sometimes it's mm. it's difficult because um you want them to succeed where do you feel humanity is in modern times well, I think it, for me it's a mixed thing. I think that um, I think there's a lot of change. I mean, I 
I got to be honest, I, I did not, I mean, I'm, I just turned 60 and I didn't think that I would see the changes that I'm even seeing today in the 60 years that I am alive. And then, you know, I, a friend of mine's grandmother died on Christmas day and she was 105. Mm, wow. <laughs> you know, and she, um, she passed away on Christmas day and she was 105 years old and amazing, amazing woman of faith. And, um, so I, I, I think it's a, I think there's some very, there's, there's huge concern that I have. And whenever there's huge concern in a society, I've always seen in the scripture that God has a plan, that God has a plan. He's never left a generation without allowing them to know him. Doesn't mean they will say yes, but he's never not he's he that's a double negative bad sentence but he's he's always giving he's always given the generation an opportunity to know what he wants and to to follow him so i i think it's um uh, amazing opportunity um even though there's some <laughs> things that i never thought i would face it can be disparaging at times yes how do you keep that from from become overwhelming personally um i spend a lot of time in the scripture and i also um try to um understand that i i can't fix anything and that god is in basically in control of of what's going he's he's got he's got it you know scripture's pretty clear that he he um you know if he can name the stars in the sky, give them all names, then he can take care of anybody and uh, draw anyone to himself. In moments of human tragedy, how does someone keep their faith? <clears throat> I think one of the biggest secrets is to understand that um, the difference between eternal and temporary. I think it's important to grow in that understanding of of what's temporary and what's eternal and um and to try to come to an understanding that um a growing understanding and there's there's moments that you know there can be despair in the middle of of growing in that but but to understand and try and a growing trust in the lord that he he has this these things in, in control and I can't explain certain things. I can't explain why there's tragedy over here and there's tragedy over here and and this guy made it through and this guy didn't. Mm -hmm. Um I don't I don't understand any of that. I don't understand the sovereignty of God in the midst of people's own uh choices because that's what that's what's colliding God's sovereignty and 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 people's choices in many times and sometimes it's nobody's choice at all. And um but I think Eternity um, versus temporary is important to understand. So, some I'll agree with you on, uh, and and I've been in an agreement with you on throughout this this conversation, and I'm really glad we're doing this. You you do mention though that that things the consequences as a result of of choices, and then, but let's speak to just a, a situation that that's that's an uncontrollable situation. How does somebody keep faith? when they may feel that this is something that is born of this is a tragedy that's born of something that they have no control of or maybe 
there is a, a being that could control it and doesn't. Right, right. That's that's a very difficult. I, I know it's very it's, broad, and I apologize. Well, no, but but you know they've asked the question, where was God when mm-hmm. all this happened? You know, the question is, and you know, and and I heard this said, and I don't know who originated this. It was somebody in some pastor in Texas, but when the first, I think, um, probably fifteen twenty years ago, when when the mass shootings were became more of a prominent thing mm-hmm. and uh someone asked the question you know where was god uh when this happened and his response was a wise one he was the same place where when his son was nailed to the cross and so um you know those those are hard, those are hard things to to um things that are, are not in in my control i think mm-hmm. i think when we Humanly, when I try to control things I can't, it's not a very healthy thing. I, I, I end up going down roads that are destructive for me. When I try to control things that I, I don't have the power to control, um, I can turn into an addictive behavior. I can become angry. I can become um, destructive to other people and myself. And, and so to understand, first of all, understand that I can't control it and to come to a resolve of that, I can't. I can't. And then to come to resolve of why didn't God do something about it? Why didn't he stop the bullet? Why didn't he mm-hmm. um, push this, the tornado over another, another way? And, and sure. how come he stopped the bullet over there and he didn't stop it over here? Um, you know, there's this whole free will of man um, uh, that, that we talk about. But um, again, I think for me, I have to encourage people while I listen to their emotions and while I listen to their grief and while I listen to their hurt and pain and while I listen to their confusion and doubt, to bring them to a place where they trust in Jesus again. I just have to bring them back. I just encourage people to, to help them get back to him. Then it, it does bring me to the question of, do you believe that um, people who have other religious viewpoints can still have a positive impact on humanity? I believe they can. I believe that. I believe that people that don't believe can either have a positive or negative impact on, on society and humanity. Um, um, I think that that's. It, my perspective of understanding of the Word of God is that we're all all made in the image of God. Every humanity, every person is born is made in the image of God. Doesn't mean that they might may, may or may not know Him or. Um, but I believe that every person can either make a positive impact on humanity or a negative one. Does it matter if they know him by a different name? Uh, I will answer it two ways. It does, um, if they know him by a different name, they can still have a positive impact on humanity or a negative impact on humanity. Um, so... Does it matter to to whether they know him by a different name in eternity? I would say, uh, in an eternal perspective, I would say it does make a difference. What are your thoughts on religious hypocrisy? It's prevalent. I've had to deal with my own. Um, Jesus talked about it clearly. In, um, in Matthew chapter 5, he talked about hypocrisy is, is really a mask. 
it's not authentic. And so I think hypocrisy has hurt a lot of people. To say that that Jesus himself spoke of it means that this is, of course, something that people have been using the Word of God for their own gain Yep, long before Jesus' time. Absolutely. And it's it's still happening to today uh, of course there's interpretation as well which is maybe something a, a little bit softer but uh, one of my personal viewpoints is uh, the commandment that says uh, don't take the name of the lord in vain growing up and i grew up catholic we we immediately um established that that was don't swear mm-hmm. but as i've gotten older i feel that there's maybe a, another Another definition for that, which is there are some people who are very Christian to your face, mm-hmm. but will and 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 know the Bible, mm-hmm. know at least enough to be able to quote the Bible, which is more than me, but use it to bolster their their viewpoints or their argument. Mm-hmm. And I and I I think that maybe that's a little bit of what that's supposed to be as well in terms of of the commandments. Now I, I maybe don't have the same grasp of it because I'm not a theologian, but I feel as though somebody who utilizes scripture to push their agenda is also taking the Lord's name in vain. Would you say that that it's a fair assumption? Yes. Um, in the in the the believers of the Old Testament, the Hebrew people, so honored God's name that they wouldn't even pronounce yod Hey vav Hey, which we pronounce um, Yehovah or mm-hmm. Jehovah. They wouldn't, they would just, so to take the Lord's name in vain is to misuse it. Not, not, not just, I, I, I swear, mm-hmm. but it's to misuse his name. It's to lay something at his feet that he didn't say and to hide behind a skirt um, to uh, per se to this is what God says, and I'm doing something different, and so um, hypocrisy is is um, is is not very is not positive, and it's not good for any of us. Um, it's you know there's there's hypocrisy in the church, and there's hypocrisy outside the church. There's hypocrisy for believers and there's hypocrisy in non-believers so hypocrisy is not a good thing in our humanity and so i've always felt that well as an adult anyway i could say that i felt that one of the one of the better reasons for if 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 people take issue with organized religion one of the the reasons to maintain a level of faith and to pass it on to your kids is for an accountability for integrity. Mm-hmm. So I want a candy bar. I don't have the money. I can take this candy bar. Nobody's going to know that I'm going to take this candy bar, but somebody's going to know I'm going to take this candy bar. <laughs> right, right, right. So it gives it gives that child another level of, of um, accountability and thereby creating a form of integrity. I'm not going to do this because it's just not the right thing to do. Right. Speaking of of modern times and kind of branching off with the with the conversation about hypocrisy, I I'm I'm afraid that there are a lot of people who don't continue on with the viewpoint of doing the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing because they're caught in 
what the immediate reward or payoff is for what what they do. And by that I mean to say, yes, I might hurt somebody to get into this position, or yes, I might break the law to get this thing that I want, but then I will have it and I'll be satisfied and I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. And being Christian, of course, there should be that thought of, but that doesn't play in the kingdom of God. Correct. And so in this conversation that we're having about having faith now, it's a very faithless act to be self-serving at this point here on earth without thinking that something, there could be ramifications for your actions in the afterlife or in the hereafter or whatever term somebody wants to use for it. And that gets kind of disparaging for for those of us who are trying to live our best life. I mean, it's a, that's a phrase that is being used a lot lately. And I don't, I don't want to exclude anybody by saying trying to be Christ-like because I, I think that that's a, that's a very lofty goal. <laughs> but trying to live their best life it gets disparaging to see others not living that way. How do you, how do you keep, how do you, how do you balance that? How do you keep that in your mind as like, well, I really hope that they could do the right thing someday though. They're not when they seem happy, they seem satisfied. They seem to have the material goods that they want. It's a, it's a challenge. Wouldn't you say? It is, um, and it's not a new challenge. Um, throughout um, the Psalms, David David says, you know, he 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 asked that question about what about the people who do this and do that, and they have the money and they don't serve God and they don't believe in God and they don't, um, or they say they do and they do do wrong, and and you know he he asks those questions throughout Psalms, the uh, and uh, throughout the Psalms, and and uh, so I think I think it. I think uh, what I encourage people to do, and I encourage myself to do, is it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not a religion. And I know that sounds like a trite and maybe even um, cliched answer, but if if I if I am following Jesus and no one else does, then that's okay. But if I follow Jesus, my hope is that I can have a positive influence on other people around me. And it's just not my life that affects them, but it's his life that is in me, which is more powerful than mine, that affects them, that might bring, lack of a better word, conviction, that might bring, wow, this might not be the right thing. And so that's one hope. The other hope is that there there are those. There are those around us that actually awakened to the idea that, hey, that was wrong. And I, there's some changes I need to make. And there's things that I need to stop. And this hasn't been, this has not been authentic mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. David asked and prayed in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and test my ways and make sure that there is no harmful way in me. That's, that's a good prayer to pray. And, a, and a, a person, there are those that will respond. There might be a bunch that don't. 
but there are those that will. And those people that respond maybe through me or through you in a positive way maybe can impact people that we can't. And so it's, I think that's encouraging. A phrase that I use quite often in conversation with, with people and I will get the, I will get this quote attributed improperly. So I'm just going to leave who had said it first out, but uh, comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. Uh, I think it's Romans 12. that says, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought. Um, don't compare yourself. I mean, I can always find somebody who's worse off than I am. Hmm. I can. I can also find a whole bunch of people who's way better than me. Mm-hmm. So I I can't, it's it's dangerous for me, it's not good for me to compare myself to the guy down the street or that guy over there or the guy that's succeeding, the guy that's failing. It's best that I compare myself to me and what God is doing in my life so that I can keep going. As a Christian, is there any part of the Bible that you take issue with? Uh, explain issue. Are, are, is there anything in the Bible that 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 you question or that you feel you don't know what the intent is? I think there's certain things that I always come back to and keep studying and keep diving into. There's always subjects that I there's I have several favorites that I keep going back to and I think, oh, okay, then I go, nope, I got to go hit that some more. Oh, okay, <laughs> nope, I got to go hit that again some more. And um, and so, yeah, there, there, there are those that I've had to come to an understanding that I'm just saying, don't understand it. I might made a different decision, but I'm not God. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I'm going to have to trust what he says, even though I don't understand it. Um, there... I, I got. I have to trust that he's probably got some lot th- lot more things going on than I do. You know, he understands things way more than I do. He knows why he said what he said. He knows why he has the boundaries that he ba- has boundaries on. He knows why he defined the way he defined things. And um, so, there are several of those. How do you balance that with knowing the Bible has? Uh the Bible is interpreted. Many, many copies of the Bible are interpreted. How do you, how do you balance that? That's a good question. Um, so I believe, um, I learned this along the way and I don't even know who to attribute it to, but I believe that honestly, there's only one interpretation. There are, are several applications. So when God, it's just like when I tell my son, Hey, go mow the lawn. Now, there's I have one interpret there's only one interpretation to that. Mm-hmm. Now he might apply that very differently than what I spoke it to be. <laughs> but there is only one interpretation, go mow the lawn. Mm-hmm. So when 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 I read the scripture and some people say, Well, it depends on your interpretation. Well, when Jesus said something, he knew what he was saying. Mm-hmm. Now I might not understand what he's saying. I, you know, two thousand years later, I might ha- not have a full grasp of understanding of what his intent were. But I can get. I think I can get in the ballpark. I think I can get close enough to make a good decision. 
um, and not with everything, but there's some there's still some of those things that you sure. still dive into. Uh-huh. But I believe that the scripture, uh, when 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 God inspired the the Bible, it says that the the word is is inspired by inspired by God. That when He inspired men to write the word, that He and what was penned, He had specific. He knew what He was t- saying, and therefore I need to find my my relationship with Him is to find His heart for that. Find the heart, b- what he was saying in, in those scriptures, and uh, those, that isn't always easy. It is always easy. How do you establish that context? Um, I I personally, preferably, secondly, I I study the original Greek as and Hebrew as best I can. Thirdly, I try to find historical context of where it was at. Um, and so I just there's just layers of it. And then I take from the context of of the verse, the context of the chapter, then the context of that book. You know, I just and it mm-hmm. goes out from there from the bullseye. So that's how I do it. And um, and and I don't stop. Again, I don't. There's things that I don't stop wrestling with. I, I and yet I until I find something different, I have to land with what I understand. Do you feel? Do you feel that there is anyone who is truly lost? So truly, when so when you to clarify, to mean truly lost means that there's there's no hope for them. Yeah. I don't believe that there's. No, I don't believe that there is. There's no one without hope. If where, where there's life, there's hope. If people are breathing, there's hope. Now take it the other way. Then truly lost being somebody who just hasn't found the path yet. You think that that exists? Yes. I think that's that I think that defines our society. I think that the age of accountability there's a certain age of accountability. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether you believe this or not. I think that that um until you know you're doing wrong it's forgivable that you've done wrong. Mm-hmm. Once you know that you're doing wrong and you're accountable for that I think that the same thing could be said for um, information. Mm-hmm. Maybe you didn't know how to find the things that you needed to mm-hmm. at, at a certain point in your life, but the moment that you're you're able to be it technologically um, or sitting down and talking with somebody who knows who knows about a subject, however you gain you gain insight into something, and you have the ability to do so. I think that 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 you have a certain requirement to do so. I agree. There's responsibility when when I have understanding. Understanding brings responsibility, um, and that responsibility can feel heavy at times. But it's it's still it's still there. It, it, I don't know if it always has to be heavy, but some people find responsibility a heavy thing to carry. So yeah, I think. I think um, I think we're responsible for the th- for the knowledge we have, and the things we don't have. Um, you know, God understands that, and I think other people understands that. And in the law, though, there's no you know, uh, ignorance is not 
if you break the law, you break the law. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, well, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't yeah. know. So, um, so th- there's, there are those things. I think that age of accountability, um, I believe that well, how I tried to raise my kids is that at, at every age, they had to have a new understanding, they had to have a fresh age understanding of who Jesus Christ was and who the who their parents were and how much they loved them and how much God loves them and and how personal that is and we we had we visited that several times through our kids' life as they grew up we didn't say oh you got saved at 12 you know when you were four so that should carry you all the way till you're 95 <laughs> so um uh we Sue and I were very intentional of making sure that they had a growing understanding that was age appropriate of who they were and who God is and who their how much their parents love and that 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 has to be visited that has to be visited I think throughout their life um, it's like driving a car it is you have to periodically make sure you're not yep. Yep. heading off into you, the ditch you, or crossing the line you have to navigate that you have to do that and 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 unfortunately it's been throughout evangelicalism in, in America it's 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 unfortunately been that oh I had a personal encounter with God when I was five and I'm good um, that's like I got my job and I don't have to do anything with that you know, mm-hmm. sure. you know so it's unfortunate um, but I think that's a key as people you know age of accountability is I, I agree with that I agree and some would not. Some would not agree with that age of accountability, but I, I do. Um, I, I do believe that. that. Um, the only way I can know God is if he reveals himself to me. It's not my idea. It's his. He loved me first. Then I loved him. He said, I did not choose. He told his disciples, you did not choose me. I chose you. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I agree with that accountability, and I think it's a growing thing our life it's a it's a radical departure from the teachings i had growing up oh, as a catholic sure it would be um but i i feel i feel as though um through experience your perspective changes too mm-hmm. um and once i became a parent and looking at at my children i thought there's there's no possible way <laughs> that these that these uh, beautiful things are 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 sinful. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And that I was, get that. Yeah. That was just me. Right. And and I think that that um, that being said, it, it, does it mean that that I uh, didn't lose my temper when when they were naughty? Of course I did. But they 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 didn't know they were being naughty until they were. They, they were taught naughty. that, right? Until they, yeah. How do you? How do you? So, so you have that. You you can guide and you can mold and you can correct and you can keep people on the path that you have that, um, that daily connection with. But um, what about, you know, is it is it living your life that helps, um, lighten that path for others outside of your, your home? I believe so. I believe that, um, you know, scripture, the, the whole um, 
don't want to get off on the, the other thing, but you know the Bible script scripture talks about Romans three twenty three is all sin and fallen short of the glory of God. All everybody has. It's getting the, it's getting those people to a place where they can meet Him, you know. And so, um, Matthew chapter five says, "Let your light shine before you know. Let your light shine." It says to be salt and and light. Um, so, um, I I intentionally in my home let my kids I wasn't showing all, I, I, I want to be careful how I say that I let them catch me praying I, I let them catch me reading my and I told them I would be like this if I wasn't a pastor hmm. I would be intense with my walk with God even if I was not pastoring if I was not a pastor I would be this way I was this way before I went to Bible college. I got up every morning and I sought my Bible. I had the word, I had notebook. I wrote notes. I sought God. I pressed in. I did so. Um, but our kids need to see us live that out, and our neighbor needs to see that lived out, and our enemies need to see that lived out. Um, with human tragedies in modern times spanning the globe, mm-hmm. what is something people can hold on to which can give them hope for the future? That's a good question. I don't want to be, you know, I said the other day to myself, I don't want to just give trite answers, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, glib, oh, you know, there's this. Um I just have to go back to the place where um, that even though I might not see how God can be involved in any of this or how God could love in any of this or how God, a loving God could allow any of this to happen, the truth is that God loves us and that he cares for us and he demonstrated that on the cross 2,000 years ago with his son dying for my sin and he's going to make it all right someday. He's going to make it all right someday. He's going to right the wrong. He's going to, forgiveness is going to be taken care of completely after, you know, he's, he, I just have to bring people to an understanding that God, Jesus Christ has it under control. And, um, and, and I can't fix that over there and I can't fix that over there, but I can take me to him and let him fix me. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you that you had hoped to be able to talk about today? Um, I think it's been um, a, an incredible time talking with you, and I appreciate it. Um, I don't think I had an agenda. I just came to talk with you. Good. And, and I didn't. I didn't know what I was doing. I just wanted to come and talk to you, and and. Um, I just want, if I would leave with anything, I I would just want people to know that that God really loves them through through His Son Jesus Christ. That He just does, and um, and that He He wants the best for them. Clark, I appreciate you, and I I truly do, and and your family has been been great. Um, great supporters of our business, just a, a a true joy to know over the years, and I definitely want you to know that. 
there are people out there who would who would benefit from from getting to know you if there are people who hear this podcast and wish to to get in touch with you or maybe have you elaborate a little further on on any of the topics discussed here how can they get a hold of you well i'll just give them my cell phone number um 608-963-8323 and i just ask people to be respectful and and i'd love to have a conversation thanks clark thank you appreciate you guys too Okay. So the topic for the series is, I'm tentatively titling it, uh, Faith in Modern Times. What do you think about that? I think it's good. I like that it doesn't specify one religion or belief in one thing. Well, that was a bit of a challenge given our proximity to other faiths or beliefs or churches around here I mean, everything seems to be fairly christ-centric in this area which i guess is to be understood being in small town midwestern america it's good that you explain that because i don't know if we're getting listeners beyond our little circle of people but it's kind of cool to think that we might be our rss feed is averaging Somewhere around 120 to 144 listeners per day. That doesn't mean listening every day. That means how many have subscribed to our feed through something like Apple Podcasts or Google Play or something like that, uh, as well as potentially subscribing to the feed through FeedBurner, which is uh, where where I created it so that I could send it to other places. The average listener on Podbean is somewhere around 10 to 15 every day. So that's a that's a fair amount, I think, given what we do. Right. And then overall to the website, we've been averaging about 150 visits to the website every month. And it's not all me. No, no, it will only... <laughs> It will only record you once. And a then, month? Yeah. Oh. And then that's it. If you go back, and I believe it's the IP address, so if you go back here from our Wi-Fi, it won't record you again. So, like, if I go one time and I listen, and then you go, it only records one. Well, that's kind of encouraging then. It's quite encouraging. I'm I'm pretty happy with these numbers. I didn't realize that our numbers were that good. I thought we were just speaking into space. Well, it's easy to think that because we don't get a lot of feedback, but we do have quite a few followers on Facebook right now, so that indicates something. Well, that's really cool. I, uh, I'm i going to say thank you to those people, and I appreciate that. I definitely appreciate it. This is a really fun thing for us to do, and I think that it would be fun if people got involved so send us emails and messages on facebook and have your voice heard we'd love to hear from you and some opinions on our topics and our interviews and past shows and ideas for future shows and we'd like to have that door open for that interaction i agree this topic of faith in modern times just kind of came about quickly and we've you have done more of the legwork than myself, 
I've just given you ideas of who to contact or question to ask, but you've really done more of the legwork. And I like that we've, like you said, being small town America, we've been able to get some diverse people and some perspectives from more than just that mainstream religion. This is true. Coming up, I'm going to have an interview with an abbot from a Zen Buddhist monastery in Wisconsin. Which is just down the road from us. It turns out it is somewhere in the wilderness between Reedsburg and Mauston, I believe. I'll know more when I talk with him. I am interested in their perspective. I am too. Also, I'm actually, because all of the gear is mobile, I'm taking it on the road to do an interview with a rabbi in Madison. Which again, I will enjoy hearing their perspective and it's always interesting to see how different beliefs, religions tie together in some ways and yet can be so different in others. I guess we'll we'll find out. And don't sell yourself short on your contribution to this series. You did write almost all of the questions, and we did confer together on that. I think that I did some refinement of the questions, but you definitely wrote all of them, or at least were in the spirit of all of them. Our interviewees may not appreciate that. I've... Well, you listened to the one that is in this episode, which is Clark Peterson. I did. From New Life Assembly of God here in Reedsburg. Yes. And I think that Clark, though not ever stumped by any of the questions, definitely paused to think about some things as he was preparing his answers. And we didn't give these questions out ahead of time. These are all spontaneous answers. Correct. Correct. Now, I did get a friend of mine involved in helping to rewrite the questions for my interview with the rabbi. Because to this point, again, most of the questions are Christian-centric. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the spirit of the question can't be the same. I think in a very general blanket, people with different faiths just kind of follow the golden rule. We can speak a little bit of this interview here with Clark because listeners have just finished that one. And I think that Clark has a very traditional viewpoint of where he places his faith. Would you agree with that statement? There is some traditional, but I think there's more than that for him. He's very sure in his faith. Hmm. I want to be clear that speaking of faith in modern times, doesn't necessarily have to be faith. As I mentioned in one of the interviews, it might be with Clark, but I I also did an interview with Sonny Hyde. I'm not talking about faith with a capital F specifically, even though right now I am talking to some religious leaders because my intention is to talk to people other than those who are involved directly with a church. So I'd like to be able to find out people who maybe aren't that spiritually guided or religious, how they keep faith in humanity and how they keep faith in themselves during these trying times. How do they, how do they keep themselves from 
getting drawn down with all of the negativity that seems to be swirling around. Let me give a little backstory. We're doing these interviews right now, and it's coronavirus is all over the news. Right. Um, and along with that, we're in an election year. And along with that, we're in an election year. No matter where you stand on that, election years are trying to deal with all of the public lashes that everybody takes. Mm -hmm. So I find it challenging to see the positive and the good sometimes in humanity when the media portrays so much negativity and they tear people down for the smallest thing or the smallest difference. And so it's interesting. I'm looking forward to listening to the other interviews to see how how do you keep faith in these modern times, in these times when media is so negative. Well, and keep in mind, too, that there is a lot of negativity in the media. I'll give you that much. But I feel as though there's a lot of negativity among our peers. And by that, I mean to say, if you, and I'm going to use social media, of course, because that's that's what we all do. I mean, we, we get our news there. We get our interactions there. We get our information there. Many of us, maybe not the best or the most, but, but we get some. If you were to go to a social media post and read the comments... The comments are not made by media executives. The comments aren't made by, this is going to sound terrible, but the comments aren't necessarily made by scholars. Let's just say it that way. (laughs) And they're terrible. They're horrible. Okay. You recently watched, and I watched it with you, but you know this because you recently watched the documentary about Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. And for as much as the media threw her around, a lot of the comments that she had seen on, you know, her 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 figure, her body, her image, that's all social media, and that's all people who pretend to be her fans. That's all everyday average people. And one of the things that I I hearken back to, and I think that you're aware of this. I think that we've had this conversation, you and I. Uh, Keith Emerson of Emerson Lake and Palmer. He killed himself. And he continued to spiral based on the things that he read about him, his his tour, his, Jap- I believe he's in Japanese tour, and people were saying, you know, Emerson doesn't have it any longer, and he should hang it up, and he's, he's uh, has been, he's washed up, whatever. And very cruel he couldn't take it. These are just two people. They took two different paths. But you know this as well as I do that, yes, the media will 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 hang you up for everybody to see you. But worse are the people. I agree with you. But I still think that the media really, really has a huge responsibility and they are blowing it. I agree with that. And... I, I'm going to pick another name just out of 
you know, the the celebrity pool with Meghan Markle and Prince Harry mm-hmm. and the things that they've had to endure and go through. And they're stepping down because he watched his own mother be torn up by media. And he wasn't willing to watch his wife go through the same. Don't confuse also, though, what is considered, oh gosh, the term used to be tabloid. True. That's that's different. But interestingly enough, again, kind of hearkening to where we are right now, there's a very thin line between what's considered news and what's considered what used to be considered gossip very thin line at this point and I think that a lot of that comes from the people placing so much importance on celebrity and placing so much importance on image and placing so much importance on flash over substance given that and that's not just here in the United States but of course we see most things here in the United States because that's where we live there are probably plenty of people who understand the good in others, understand the intent of people who are trying to do the right thing. But I think that there are a number of people who only draw pleasure from keeping people down. And to dovetail that with what we're talking about in terms of of these trying times, and in the next interview with Sonny Hyde, you'll hear me say this, and it, it came to me at that moment, and I've been thinking about it ever since. It's been over a week now, I think. There's plenty of bad news out there if you want to look for it. So I guess my viewpoint on doing this series is how do you separate all of that? How do you, how do you rise above all of that? How do you, how do you keep yourself above that? din of of gnashing teeth and and people just ripping each other apart and you know what do you hold on to 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 keep you above all of the like you mentioned the coronavirus or earthquakes or tsunamis and these are things that have happened there coronavirus mm-hmm. is just a different name for something that or a different virus for we something just brought up SARS right yeah tonight at dinner <laughs> you can go all the way back to the plague right how do you how do you hold on to something that that keeps you above all of that during during tough times and there's always tough times but man it really seems like right now and probably just because we have so much easy access to it but it sure does seem like it's it's pretty dark right now i agree that you can look for good news and good things and i hope that maybe our little podcast that we're doing brings somebody some happiness and gives them a break from all that negative energy that's out there. I think that to bring it back around, we also have our youngest who's about to enter into this great big world of craziness. And maybe that's why we're feeling more pressure because it's a really scary time for them it's a scary time for parents to watch them Mm -hmm. be afraid and figure it all out it was important to me to talk to Clark for for that reason because his youngest is a year older than than Xander so 
he's kind of looking at the world the same way that we are that way. He's a parent, and he feels the obligation towards his his children, and he feels the obligation towards his congregates. And I wanted to talk with him, A, because we know him, and we know that he, I believe he's sincere. I believe he walks it as much as he talks about it. I, I would agree with that. I, I've seen him in many places throughout our community, and he's always been very genuine and very mm-hmm. sincere. Mm-hmm. I have no reason to think anything different. And it's no secret that that Clark has recently encountered some family tragedy. And though we did not get specific about this, but I, I wanted to know, how do you do it? How do you... How do you keep your chin up when when things like this happen? And I feel the interview was a really good one. Mm-hmm. I listened to it, and I agree. And I think through the tragedy that you're speaking of, he kept a really positive outlook on that. And he mentions Sue many times throughout the interview. And she, too, always had a really positive view. Mm-hmm even though she was going through a really tough trial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Before we move on to discussing the next episode of the podcast, I wanted to say that I did hear from a listener and friend who had listened to our most recent America Land podcast, and he rather enjoyed it. So I thought I would share that with you. That's nice to hear. Yes. So, Ken, if you're out there listening, I told you that I would tell Lori, and, and I here I have. Well, thank you, Ken, for that feedback. And also, I want to just quickly say thank you to Clark for doing that interview and for giving us some of his time, which I know is really important to most people because we're all so busy. I agree. And to be fair... I did send out the invitation to appear on the podcast initially to about four people. I got responses from three of them, which was great. Clark was the first one. I think he enjoyed it as well. I think so, too. I think so, too. Speaking of the interviews, the next one, which we'll post soon, uh, episode two for faith in modern times, keeping faith in modern times, having faith in modern times, showing your faith in modern times, something about faith in modern times. Episode two is going to be an interview with Sonny Hyde. Keeping afloat? <laughs> keeping keeping afloat in modern times. That's a challenge. <laughs> it sure is. Sonny is the pastor at the Cornerstone Missionary Baptist Church. Again, here uh, here in Reedsburg, or just barely outside of Reedsburg. I, I'll be interested to hear the similarities maybe between these two men and how they cope or deal with life and happy times and sad times and maybe how they are different. Well, I do have the interview done, and I'm in the process of editing it, and I can tell you this, having had... The conversation with both men. There are some similarities. There's no doubt about that. But they are two different guys. And Clark's interview was enjoyable. 
Sonny's interview for other reasons is quite enjoyable, and I think you'll like it too. I'm looking forward to it. With that, I would like to talk about the future of the podcast and future episodes of the podcast. It's been a little spotty, hit and miss here and there as far as putting out episodes, and that's really because we do this here at home in the basement, and it's a bit of a labor of love for us to do this. And we, speaking of love, we would love to do it more often. With that sort of responsibility there comes a need for outside help. I recently launched for the Porter Notes podcast our Patreon page, which is a really great way for people, listeners such as yourselves, or your business or your company or your group to help support the podcast. You can consider it advertising, really. So if you go to the Patreon page for Porter Notes Podcast, which is patreon.com slash porternotes. You can find out how you can help us out. We're not making any money off of the podcast, and we have no intentions of charging anybody to listen to the podcast. But there are some expenses involved, and being a supporter of the podcast will definitely help us with those expenses and help us get the podcast out a little bit more quickly more regularly, keep the quality up, and maybe improve on some of the equipment, the gear, the recording things that we have. So that would be a great way for those of you out there listening to help us out. When we decided to launch the Patreon page, we did some research, and there's some pretty big names out there that are using it. There sure are. Alan Alda? Yes, his podcast uses it. And if you haven't listened to his podcast, it's good. I'm, I'm putting very a good. plug out there. We should get some sort of sponsorship now. <laughs> it's very informative. Gilbert Gottfried, his amazing Colossal podcast, which is a guilty pleasure of mine, very funny, yet very informative about old world Hollywood. He also has a Patreon page. There's there's quite a few artists, musicians, people who are regular people just like just like us, who are posting things, videos, web comics, music, podcasts, just like this one, a number of different ways that they're reaching out, and they are gaining support. It's, it's kind of a grassroots, listener-supported or viewer-supported way to get your stuff out there. It's, it's really great. If you choose to go to our page, there are different things you can get. Yes, and I'm not going to go into detail with those things because you can very easily just go there to Patreon slash Porter Notes, patreon.com slash Porter Notes, and you can see all of the levels of premiums that you can receive by being a supporter of the Porter Notes podcast. Really great things, great ways that we can show our appreciation to you for being patrons. You're not really giving us money. No. It's going into... Like you said, the equipment and, and well, for this interview that you have coming up, you're doing a little bit of travel for that. Yes. Normally, we've had people come to us, and now we're starting to do a little bit further outreach, which is exciting, mm -hmm. but there is expense that comes with that. Yeah, I, I would really appreciate it. You can you can donate whatever you want. It starts out at a dollar a month, and you can go up from there. 
pretty simple way to show your appreciation for the work that we do and and believe me we we would really love to see that happen it's not required to listen to the podcast the podcast will be free it's free now and it will be free but there's some incentives for doing it too that would be exclusive just to our patrons so go check it out and you can learn about that whether you give us money or not we're still going to keep doing it yeah and we're not going to stop talking people might pay to have that happen i think there could be a level there could be a monthly level that people could pay to to shut us up maybe we should put that out there <laughs> what would that level be i don't know i don't know maybe we should discuss that we could have a a level of so much per month if we reach that level then we're done doing podcasts hmm i could think of some government officials who might peel off a couple couple bills and send them our wages to shut us up i don't know I don't think we have that much influence. Did I give you the stats on um, <laughs> how many people we're reaching? It's how it starts. Grassroots. I guess. So with that, then, we're going to bring this to a close here. And again, I definitely want to thank Clark Peterson, New Life Assembly of God here in Reedsburg, Wisconsin. Check them out. They have a Facebook page. If you have any questions for Clark, he left his cell phone number in the podcast interview, which is pretty brave of him. I did catch that, and yes, it is. And like he said, please be respectful of, of that. Of course, yes. We know we know, listeners out there for our podcast are smart people. We know that because we, we just know our demographic. We know the people who came into the coffee shop, and we know the people who are our friends, and we know that people who appreciate us are discerning people, but it is worth saying to be respectful if you should happen to contact Clark. But he is available if anybody wants to discuss things further. He, he's definitely open for that. And if you want to visit his church, I'm sure he'd be happy to show you around. He has a heart for people. For sure. And if, like us, you're wondering how you can keep your head up during trying times, he's there for you too, which I could say easily of of everybody I believe that we're going to talk to. If they're interested in coming and having this conversation with us, then they're interested in having conversations with others, I'm sure. I would second that. So until next time, please remember to go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash porternotes. Please remember to go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash porternotespodcast. We've shared it and sent invites to a lot of you. Please like it, share it. Share it with others and have them like it too. We would really appreciate that. We had almost 2,000 people who are fans of Kettle and Cup during the Kettle and Cup heyday, and I know that we can probably get this spread out that far, if not further. So definitely we would love for you to do that. So until next time, I'm Alex. I'm Lori. And we'll talk to you again soon. Mm-hmm.